Hey, photographers, welcome to the Boca Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm here to help you build a sustainable photography business. That means improving your photo skills, building on your business knowledge, and honing your marketing abilities. But it also means helping you work more efficiently so you don't get burnt out in the long run. We do try to bring the show to you commercial free, so make sure to check out our sponsors, photographersedit.com and Milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. Photographer's Edit is custom photo editing for the professional photographer, and Milu is the simplest way to create and manage timelines and shot lists for the events you're photographing. Again, photographersedit.com and Milu.com. All right, let's get into today's episode. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're back for another Boca Podcast episode. Brand new guest, Brittany Elise from Brittany Elise Photography is here with me today. Thanks for hanging out with me, Brittany. Hey, thanks for having me. And and uh, we actually had the opportunity to meet at the hybrid conference. Well, I guess it's been a couple of months ago now. It seems like quite a while in some ways, but we had some really interesting conversation and, and I was like, you know what, can we do a podcast? Because your your business model was quite compelling to me, particularly with regards to your focus on service which I think is mm-hmm. something that is maybe not emphasized enough in our industry. So we're going to actually talk about that. Uh, it's kind of our primary point of conversation in just a bit. But as we normally do, I, I want to start with the question about brand position. And um, first of all, just to give context to our listeners, what market are you currently based in? So I'm based in Tampa, Florida. Okay, perfect. So in that market of Tampa, Florida, which I can imagine is pretty crammed full with a lot of different photographers, what is your yeah. business's brand position currently? So our goal is to really provide stress-free portraits for busy moms. So, and, and I love the the simplicity and the level of conciseness, if that's even a word, that is represented by such a simple statement. But how have you ultimately landed on that statement? I know you and I were talking a little bit before I hit the record button. It sounds like it's been a little bit of a process. Can you share that with our listeners? Yes. So my business has really evolved over the last couple of years. So we've really moved into being full service and really kind of defining like our true client avatar and who she is and who we serve and kind of like channeling that down to like one specific thing. Um, And like we said, like I told you before, you know, it kind of started as this like long blurb of like what we do and how we pulled out the pieces that were most um, important to like describing that brand position. And so, you know, it kind of started out as being, um, you know, a full service luxury portrait photographer um, that serves busy moms in the portrait making process from styling wardrobe to installing framing and really just pulling like the important pieces of that, that are obviously like the most relevant to our clients, Yes, which would be the stress-free portrait speaking directly to the busy mom. Well, and, and I, I think I said this too, before we started recording, but I just love the, the simplicity of that. It'd be very easy in all bold text or, you know, big text that is very noticeable above the fold when they land on your website, if they see that, combined with a really beautiful image, maybe a couple of images. Um, I mean, the idea of minimizing stress, the idea of a busy mom, these are very, these are very resonant concepts with Mm -hmm. most mothers, I think. Um, And so immediately you're going to be speaking to how you add value to their lives because you know, these are significant pain points. 
Um, so it should grab that potential client's attention right away. And then you have the ability to be able to elaborate further down on your, on your site. But I, I love how you distilled, you, you took this, you know, what was a sentence or a couple of sentences and have distilled that down, as you said, to the most important points. And I, I wanted to, to get into this because for those of you listening in, I know it can be tough sometimes to be able to simplify and ultimately summarize the most important points of the most distinct important points of your business. And I, I feel like Brittany's done a really beautiful job of that. So I appreciate you sharing that with our listeners, Brittany. It's a really great example. And uh, by the way, for everybody listening in, if you go to Brittany Elise, B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y and then Elise, E-L-I-S-E dot com, you can see Brittany's website there. And uh, on Instagram, it's Brittany Elise Photography. And we'll link to both of these in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. But uh, let's keep let's keep moving, Brittany. Talk to me about your experience as a business owner so far. How how first of all, how many years have you been in business? I um, have been in business for six years. Okay, cool. So within that time frame of six years, what has been one of the most important principles that you've learned about providing a wonderful customer experience? And by the way, I don't want to give too much of our, our conversation later on in the interview away, but is there a really important principle that stands out to you? Yeah, I think that you know to provide an amazing client experience, you really have to, at least for the client experience that I'm providing, you have to have a very service-driven heart. You have to genuinely have a passion to serve others. Um, and when that's like genuine from your heart, it, it makes the process very seamless for you and for your client. Yeah. And we're going to talk about how you do that in more detail in a bit. But I like that you point out the significance of being genuine. This is something um, that's really stood out in my mind as of late. You know, it's, there's one thing. It's one thing to be nice. Um, it's one thing to even say you focus on relationships. This is becoming more and more common in the photography industry, which I think is great. But the level of genuineness associated with that that label of focusing on relationships I think will create pretty significant distinction when the client actually has an opportunity to engage with you. If you genuinely, from your heart, desire to help and serve that client in front of you versus just saying it because it's the thing to say, I think I think the client experience becomes drastically different, don't you? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think about this too in regards to like how I I communicate, even the tone of my voice when I'm doing a podcast interview for that matter. Somebody listening in, one of our listeners can listen to the podcast interview and they can tell, uh, in many cases, I hope, that I am genuinely, individually interested, curious in the conversation that I'm having because I am. And, and I want that to, to actually come across to the person that I'm having the conversation with. And so I, I think that the focus on a genuine heart, that an actual desire, genuine desire to serve um, is really, really important. Again, we'll talk more practically about how you do that in just a little bit, but let's actually shift to the conversation about time because being a very successful photography business owner, but then simultaneously having a personal life too, I'm curious how you balance that. What is one of the most important principles you've learned about time management? I definitely, something that I think has been an accelerator in my business is knowing what my zone of genius is and where my, my time should be invested and what I should be outsourcing. Um, I am not an accountant. Um, I'm not a copywriter. I um, am not a web designer. Those are all things that I have 
outsourced in my business. I also outsource my editing as well. I have a VA, I have a studio assistant. And so this has really allowed me to focus my time on the parts that really matter, the, the client touch points. My clients only work with me, even though I do have staff. And so that's really how I have found, you know, not only for my business to accelerate, you know, faster than I think others, but also to just create more time for myself. Well, and and so by delegating or outsourcing, you're able to to avoid having to do much of the busy work in the business. You focus on, as you pointed out, those client touch points when everything is about service, when your brand is about service. And it's important that you actually have the freedom, the ability to be able to focus on that client interaction. And knowing that somebody or other people are taking care of the other busy work that still has to function for our business to exist, but mm-hmm. doesn't actually require your involvement. I think it's really important that you highlight the significance of this idea I'm curious though, and this is something I've been talking, I guess, asking our guests about quite a bit as of late when it comes to the notion of outsourcing or delegating. I know at owning a photographer, owning photographers edit and outsourcing or editing outsourcing company that one of the, the, um, I guess the weaker points for photography business owners, myself included for that matter, uh, when it comes to delegation is learning how to effectively communicate what it is that you want so that the other person, so that the person on the other side of that conversation can actually carry out that task. What, how have you learned to effectively communicate what it is that you want in order to be able to more effectively delegate? So this has been such a, this has been such a point of honestly, like a pain point of my business throughout the last several years is as I've grown, it's been really hard to bring in new assistants and to like retrain somebody and to go through all of that. And, you know, and so as a small business, like, you know, I've had assistants, a lot of my assistants have been college students. So they, you know, have graduated and moved on to, you know, their careers and things like that. And so I've always kind of had to like reinvent the wheel. And it wasn't until recently that I started to actually record what they are supposed to do and um, basically creating like a training manual for them Ah, so that when they need to come in and like do something, like I show them how to do it. And um, they essentially have like a step-by-step guide that when they're kind of like flying solo and they're like, wait, Brittany told me that I'm supposed to click where again, they can go and watch a video and see how, you know, like I do a blog or how I put together my client welcome boxes or, you know, you know, like I even have my assistants will, write my handwritten notes. I'm, you know, I don't type them out. They are truly handwritten, but my assistants write them for me. And so they literally have pictures of what they look like, um, and what they say. And so, um, that's always, I I feel like as of lately, as I'm still obviously refining, as I have, um, more things that I, uh, delegate out in my business, that's something that isn't really helpful for me. And being able to create a manual per se, it requires, understanding what it is that you even want done in the first place, right? Because I I think one of the difficulties that photographers have in communicating what it is they want, and certainly one of the difficulties that I've had in, in learning how to more effectively delegate is actually being clear about what it is that I want, because we may like a certain thing in this, in this context and in a different context, we want this. And, you know, we had bad pizza last night, so we feel a particular way this day, but then the next day we ate, we ate a lot better. And so we're feeling better. And so now we have this particular feeling. I mean, our, our feelings kind of tend to fluctuate as photography business mm-hmm. owners a lot of times. Mm-hmm. So being clear, absolutely clear, kind of objectively clear about what it is that we want for a particular task or activity um, is required in order to even put together a manual have mm-hmm. you always been very clear about what it is you want in something or was that also a process learning how to to ultimately make a decision okay this is exactly what i want and now i can effectively communicate it 
So I will say like, I am, and like, I'm totally, I'm a very transparent person. I am very like in the moment things are evolving. Ideas come to me. Um, but I'm also almost a perfectionist to a fault. And, you know, those who have worked with me have learned that sometimes, you know, things sort of like will evolve, but I think in general, like, um, my work for me kind of get the gist of like, they get the big picture, you know, like what we are doing for these clients, what we are achieving, like, like understand the brand, the mission and and the direction at which it's going. And occasionally there are things that come in there and they kind of get a little bit changed around because Brittany had this idea. And so I, that is something we are still like, you know, we grow and we learn as we go through the process. Um, but I have a really awesome, I work with so many awesome people and I think that they see beauty in the evolution of it as well. Like I'm working with a copywriter right now on my website and, you know, as we kind of go through things, we're like, wait, you know, actually this, this might be better. And it may completely kind of like derail what we're doing, but you know, ultimately the goal is to, to refine the brand, make it as best we can. We all have the same common goal. Um, and so, but it's definitely something I, I am like truthfully working on as I, <laughs> you know, move through the process. Yeah, no, that's fair. And I mean, I think as business owners, learning how to be a CEO, learning how to manage other people, um, that process is probably ongoing. We learn, and, and as you pointed out, you're going to have different personalities come through too. So the way we communicate to one person may, be, may shift a bit when it comes to the next person um, and so forth. I, I think it definitely is a learning process and I appreciate that transparency. I think ultimately for everybody listening in though, it's important, first of all, as, as Brittany has pointed out, to see the significance of what delegation can do because it does free you up to more quickly and efficiently build your business. But do understand that it's important to be clear about what it is that you want. Because if you don't, I mean, and it comes to, we've seen this countless times at Photographer's Edit. If you're going to outsource editing, it'll probably be the biggest time savior in your business. But if you aren't clear about what it is that you want, then you're going to be endlessly frustrated with whatever the outsourcing company or the editing company, because they're, you don't know what you want. So when you communicate to them, you're not effectively communicating and they can't just read your mind and you have this back and forth. Mm-hmm. And this will happen not just with editing. It'll happen with you know delegating admin work. It'll happen with delegating album design and, and all these other things in your business that you can delegate. If you're not clear about what it is you want, you won't be able to effectively communicate it. So be clear about what you're looking for and that'll make all the difference in the world. Um, let me keep going though to, to inspiration. And and I mean, it seems kind of trite, but this is something that's a very popular conversation in our culture and in our industry these days. And I'm curious where you find inspiration outside of photography. What's something um, or a resource outside of the photography industry that has made an impact, has ultimately been an encouragement of support as a photography business owner? So when I, you know, I read over our notes and you, you told me you're going to talk about this. And like, when I hear the word inspiration, I immediately think like, what inspires me? These beautiful <laughs> photos. And I'm like, what am I talking about? Like, I don't like, yes, I'm inspired by beautiful images. Okay. Um, like, Ju- like Julie Paisley was my coach last year and I, her images inspire me, but to be totally, totally honest, I am like inspired by powerful luxury brands. I mm. study them. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, everywhere we go, my husband's like, I literally sit there and I dissect businesses as we are experiencing them. Mm. And I find like so much knowledge in like being able to go through like how they have developed their client reward programs. 
and how that reward program is structured and how I could apply the same concept to my business. Or like, for example, we live really close to one of the best steakhouses in the Southeast. And every time we go there, I'm like, this is service. Like this is what my business strives for. And so I genuinely get inspiration from other um, well-run businesses that really serve to kind of that same, that same desire that clients, my clients have kind of their clients also have that same desire. And so I really get inspiration from anyone and everyone, like literally steakhouses to department stores. I get inspiration everywhere and I am a junkie for business. It's why I don't really teach shooting and editing. I really love to teach business and strategy and service and um, really building a client experience. And so that's where my inspiration comes from. What's the name of the steakhouse, by the way? Burns. Burns yes. Steakhouse. Yeah. So I had the opportunity a number of years to go. Did we talk about this when, when we met uh-uh, at no. Hybrid? Okay. So I had the opportunity to go to Burns a number of years ago, and it is a fascinating experience. Um, it's amazing. Yeah. Simply the way that they have their um, waiters and waitresses, I guess, organized for lack of a better word, mm-hmm, but uh, mm-hmm. is and, and the training process that they go through is yes. really interesting. But in order to bring that level of service that you're referencing, you have to. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's a it's a really interesting experience. So yeah, for anybody listening in, if you ever have the chance to go to Burns Steakhouse, it, it is highly highly recommended. Yes. A yes. pretty interesting experience. But that's really cool. I love that you're going outside the industry and and looking at the way that they run the businesses and trying to understand the strategy better. And there's so much to be learned there. And I think we could all stand to do that. Look outside the industry. There's certainly inspiration to be had. But let's actually talk about education. We talked about inspiration. What about education? Um, and this could be, you know, self-help books, business books, maybe podcasts that have been impactful. What's the one that comes to mind? Well, I think I, I tell, you know, my coaching students, any type of education you're doing, it is valuable. Um, no money invested in, you know, like masterminds, you know, coaching, like you're going to learn something and that is powerful. I think something that has a book that I read recently, I did a, I did a book club with my free uh, Facebook community and it was Donald Miller's story brand. Yeah. I just, that, that was a game changer for me. I mean, just, there are so many amazing points and honestly, like really, I mean, he, I don't know if you've read the book, but he's, he like digs deep into how this is like, like how our brains are trained to actually think like this. And it's, it happens all around us. And if we can build these sort of theory, so to speak, of, of what he teaches into our business, um, it almost is nearly like effortless to actually speak directly to our target clients. So that has been a book I've loved lately. And it's one of our favorites too. We'll make sure to put it, to put it in the show notes at bookapodcast.com. Donald Millard's uh, Building a Story Brand. And in fact, for anybody listening in, if you haven't seen it yet, Haley put together a resource uh, that some of the most recommended books on the podcast. This is definitely one of them. If you go to Boca, B-O-K-E-H, bookshelf.com, you can see the, the, the most popular books on the Boca podcast. We've done over 400 episodes now. And you'll get a good feel for some good reading material if you're looking for it. And Donald's book is definitely one of them. Make sure you check that out. Let's let's um, talk about service. I mean, this is something that you've put a lot of emphasis on in your business. What does the word service mean to you specifically? I genuinely have a passion to serve, but I just I want like I I'm a mom. Like I get it. Like this is I mean, literally overnight, your world is completely changed forever. 
And this is a time in my client's life that honestly, anything that makes the process of just moving into motherhood easier and more effortless is really me serving them well. And so when my clients come to me, my mission is to basically make it so that they don't have to really do anything and just entrust in me of creating this vision that they have for their portraits. Well, and I actually looked up as you were talking the definition for the word service. Uh, This is, and actually, I guess this would be Merriam-Webster's dictionary, but um, one of the definitions there is a helpful act. And you talked about the significance of making their lives easier, you add value to their lives and making their lives easier. And of course, this is a reflection on the brand position statement you mentioned earlier. Um, but I, I think that that in and of itself, you know, should be a, a more, uh, I guess, a more of a priority when it comes to running photography businesses. A lot of times photographers kind of get caught up in the the ego of being an artist and demanding a particular price point. And if we don't get this and we don't, they don't, they aren't willing to, to go about this my way and do it this particular way and pay this price point, then like they're, they're not worth my time. And there's a lot of ego associated with that. And, and I think I understand where it comes from. Um, we want to be able to maintain a particular brand position in the market. We want to make sure that we're getting paid or compensated for our time and our effort and our artistry. But at the same time, it, I think that if we focused more on how we can make our clients' lives easier in the context of a portrait session or in the context of wedding photography and their wedding day, um, that we would tend to build a business a little bit more effectively. So I, I love the focus on making their lives easier. Where do you think this desire, I mean, you mentioned being a mother and there's this innate desire for service that comes from being a mother, but is there, I mean, in your past, even as a child, is there something that ultimately spurred this very strong desire towards service? So I have to tell you, you asked me this in California at hybrid and I was like really taken back. I was like, you know, I've never actually thought about where that deeply rooted desire to serve has come from. A little over a year ago, I had this like revelation. I was like kind of building my business, knowing I wanted to serve more. And I realized like I had served mothers for well over a decade. Hmm. I served moms as a NICU nurse when I cared for their babies. I taught them how to breastfeed. I taught them how to pump. I taught them how to care for their babies. Yeah. And now I still serve moms and it's just different. You know, I'm providing portraits, but I'm still serving them. And ultimately, like I've realized my joy hasn't actually come from creating pictures or, you know, taking care of those babies. My joy has come from serving those mothers. And so I really thought a lot about this after I left hybrid and I was like, where did this come from? And (laughs) I think, so my mom was the primary breadwinner when I was growing up. My mom ran a very large company for physical therapy. And, you know, I watched my mom work her, her, her bum off. I mean, and I think I, I always like seeing her just be stressed and no one ever really loving on her Mm. and no one ever really like giving her that like space to be pampered and like loved on and cared for. And so, I mean, not to say that like, you know, we as a family didn't, but like, you know, She was always stressed. She was always working. And so I think that that's like where that desire to serve moms has come from. It's from seeing, seeing my mom like stressed and, and, um, and so, um, that was kind of like, after I left hybrid, I was like, man, 
I was like, that is where it's come from for me. It's from just watching my mom, you know, growing up in my household and just seeing her. I mean, she's, I mean, my mom is a badass, but (laughs) she worked hard and she, you know, she deserved to have what I do for my clients. Um, She deserved to have that every year over and over again. I love I love that you took the time to figure this out, though. And, you know, there's a tendency and this could be a very loaded conversation for a whole different time. But there's a tendency in our industry uh, to say, quote, this is who I am that or that's just who I am. And mm-hmm. there, there's a lack of willingness on, on our part in, in many cases to take the time to take a step back and understand how our psychology has been developed. A lot of times it's just written off to, I am just this Enneagram or I'm just this personality type. And it's just Mm -hmm. left at that. And I think developing a certain level of self-awareness and emotional intelligence and understanding of why we are the way that we are can be really helpful um, in our day-to-day lives individually and certainly on a professional level. And so I love that you that you realize that this is likely where it came from. Uh, Tony Robbins talks about the, the significance of pain and pleasure and the roles that they play in developing and uh, our personal development over time. And for you, it was painful to see a, a lack of care and concern for your mom in the context of being a really busy business owner. And that translated to action, which is really fascinating. And I think speaks volumes of, of who you are, Brittany. But um, the fact that you saw that and you you acted on it and ultimately are now trying to bring that level of service and care and kindness to your clients uh, is a really, really beautiful thing. But, you know, in our industry, I think there is at times or has been anyway, a misconception of what it means to wholeheartedly kind of throw ourselves into service. And, and the assumption is that if we do that, in many cases, we can easily be taken advantage of. That would be paying less attention to the numbers, not run as profitable as business. Um, you're obviously focused on business. So where do you think this assumption comes and what is the healthy balance therein? So <laughs> I like I read this question and I was like, oh man, I don't know if my answer is gonna be like what people want to hear. But I think that there are um, a lot of people who are implementing these services. Services take time hmm. and time is money. And I, I think that there is an overwhelming number of photographers who are building services and building a client experience into their workflow, but not accounting for the true value of what that costs as a business to okay. do. Okay. And so like with my coaching girls, I did one of our very first um, calls was understanding our cost of doing business. And I'm not just talking like, Hey, let's see how much our rent is. And no, I'm talking like how much time do we spend commuting to the session? How much time do we spend actually editing? How much time, like how much time do we spend building these these um, boxes that we gift our clients and how much time do we spend in a wardrobe appointment and, and really knowing a real true figure of what we are giving to our clients. And, um, you know, I know that I, I, I warned them, I said, you're going to finish this calculator and there's going to be a big number that scares you, but that's what your time is worth. It really is. It's what your time is worth. And so I, 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 um, I want to like, I, especially in my free Facebook communities, I like, I want to encourage people to understand the value of what they're providing through these services. And that means sitting down and taking the time to dissect your business and really taking a close look at your numbers so that you can truly be profitable and you can truly serve and serve well. And, um, knowing that you're being compensated for it. 
Interesting. So it's not so much a misconception maybe as a, well, a misconception goes along with it, but maybe just a mismanagement of, of time and a, a lack of, I don't know, I guess, I mean, ultimately prices are not enough to compensate mm-hmm. us for the time necessary to actually bring that level of service then. Is that what you're suggesting? Yeah, yeah. And I think, um, well, let's be honest, most photographers start out as artists, right? They're not necessarily business owners. And, you know, that running a running a successful business, I mean, you have to, I spend more time focusing on my business, truthfully, shooting and creating the images is really only about 20% of what I do. Mm. And so that, that I think is a lot of the problem with you know, in general, the mindset of of photographers is they're focusing so much on their craft and their art, and they're actually forgetting, you know, and not focusing on the business and and what it means to create a profitable business. And so I think just in general, like, it's just a natural tendency of artists to want to focus on their craft. But it's like, you have to train yourself to being like, this is only a portion of what I really truly need to be doing as a business yeah. and actually taking a deeper look at, uh, you know, the business side of it and, and the marketing and, and the numbers and, and, and all of that. So, so yeah. Wow. Well, I, I think it's, it's a good reminder for all of us that we might need to actually look at how we're charging for our time. Um, not only so that we are ultimately more profitable, but also so that it enables us to be able to actually focus the time that we're giving to our clients more, I guess not even focus it more, but be able to focus more, I should say, on our clients, knowing that simultaneously we are making money. We we can actually have yeah. best of both worlds if we're actually thinking about the strategic, strategically like a business owner, looking at the big picture and particularly looking at the cost of our time as it relates to running a business. That's a really, really good reminder. But I guess along with that, then I, I want to give our listeners really tangible ways that they can go look at their business and make change so they can actually take the level of service that they're offering to their clients to the next level. So I'm curious, with your focus on service, what are three specific ways that you've been able to take your service to the next level? So the first thing is, is wardrobe styling. I actually, everything you you see in my work is part of my client wardrobe collection. And so um, my clients don't have to, you know, spend hours shopping at the mall. They don't have to spend, you know, all that time looking on the internet and all like aside from that, they don't have to spend the money, you know, on something that they're only going to wear once. So the first thing is wardrobe styling. And so my clients have a one-on-one wardrobe and styling appointment with me. And this is when we, you know, really hash out the details of where we're going to meet, um, you know, what they want to accomplish with these photos, but also, you know, getting those final touches of, of who's going to wear what. Um, and then the day of I bring their wardrobe, it's steamed. Um, they don't have to worry about, you know, ironing their husband's shirt or, you know, making sure that their son's pants fit in properly because we would have already, you know, done all that at our wardrobe appointment. Wow. Yeah. What kind of investment are we talking, if you don't mind sharing in this, having this big of a wardrobe? I mean, it seems like a, a pretty significant cost. Yes. Well, it has been, it's been growing over time. And so for the photographers that are listening that, you know, want, want to start to do, do wardrobe. Um, I started with just providing maternity wardrobe. So I started purchasing, you know, maternity dresses and really this whole concept was inspired by my own experience as a pregnant mom and going around, you know, the mall and trying on dresses and just being very pregnant, very, you know, lack of mobility for, you know, to say the least. And only find nothing, 
nothing that I liked. The, you know, the selection for maternity is very, very limited. And so I started by just like buying pieces so that my clients, you know, had had that option to just come to one place and there was 20 dresses for them to choose from instead of just the five that a department store had. Um, and so I started with maternity, then I expanded it into women's, then I expanded it into baby and child, and then I added in men's um, as well. And so now I style the entire family and I'm still growing my collection. I always am adding new pieces because I like to keep it fresh. I retire dresses um, and different wardrobe pieces as they start to get worn a lot and become more popular. I'll start to retire them just to kind of like keep it fresh and keep it sure. moving. And so it's taken me about three years to build this solid wardrobe that I have. I've, I've, I, I have a very strict budget as to how much I will spend per year. Okay. I think there are ways to build a wardrobe on a budget and picking strategic pieces. Um, and I talk a lot about that in my Facebook group about like, you know, why I choose certain dresses over the years. I can look at a piece and know if, if it's going to get worn a lot or not. I just know my clients well enough. I and mean, then I kind of know the style trends for typically the the women that I'm serving. And so uh, it, it's not cheap for sure, but if you do it in pieces, um, it's totally doable. Okay. That, no, that totally makes sense. Yeah. We don't have to do it all at once. It doesn't have to be all or nothing, just a little bit over time. Exactly. And, and it really takes it to the next level. Yeah. I can imagine the amount of time that potential clients in most cases for most photographers spend trying to pick out a wardrobe in some cases, it can cause a lot of stress and strife amidst the family too, I'm sure. Um, you just totally. negate that. And to your, our earlier conversation, you make it easier for them by just providing that wardrobe. I think that's really powerful. All right, take us to the next step, if you will. So um, the next thing is hair and makeup. So I work closely with several hair and makeup artists. I do have a primary team that I love, but I have several artists that are around the city of Tampa. Um, my artists will either meet my clients here at my studio or go into their homes, which just takes that last element of just, you know, a mom getting frazzled because her kids are, you know, interrupting her. She's trying to put on eyeliner. She's got, you know, a one-year-old pulling at her. Um, it just allows her to just sit and relax and like decompress. And in turn, her energy when she shows up for that session is so much better because somebody took something off of her plate and she looks incredible. And it makes my job easier because, you know, as far as like editing, you know, her, her makeup is, is flawless. It was done professionally. Um, and so I find that it's a win-win on both, on both parties. So her makeup is definitely number two. And you're building that cost, I'm assuming, into the, the session fee? Yes. So that's included in my session fee. Um, when I initially first started offering hair and makeup, it was an add-on service. And so um, I found that nearly like 80% of my clients added on this service, um, which just told me that I needed to include it in my sessions and just really like, like just commit. Like I, like I said, when I had that revelation about my, my passion to serve mothers, I committed that every mom was going to have this amazing experience. And so now it's included in my session fee. Lovely. Okay. So wardrobe and styling hair and makeup. And then what's the third way that you're taking that service to the next level? So, um, the third way would be with artwork design and installation. And so my best-selling product, um, a lot of photographers offer products, which I think is so important, but I kind of take it to that next level. I actually custom design galleries for my clients. Um, I'm happy to help my clients even revisit personal photos that they have, that they feel like, you know, they want 
to have a, a part of their gallery. I help my clients see a gallery that's going to grow over time. Um, a lot of people have have hesitations on committing to wall art because they know their family is not complete. You know, they know they're going to move. And so um, maybe this isn't their forever home and they're afraid that they're going to get stuck with something that isn't going to work in the future. And the reality is, is that eventually so much time passed, the thought of going back to photos is just super overwhelming. I mean, we're talking, you know, if you get 40 images from a session and you wait, you know, five years and you have 40 images from five sessions, that's now even more overwhelming. Whereas if you just pick a handful of images from every session and begin to grow a gallery, which I show my clients how to do, I show them the design and how it's going to have phases. Um, it really takes that uh, stress of how overwhelming that could be in the future. And then I finally, um, the last step is that I install it for them. So I actually go to their homes and I hang their frames on their walls for them. And I also, of course, design albums as well. A lot of my clients do first year baby books. So they add an album to kind of their quote unquote library of memories and they add an album every year. So that's another um, really popular product that I offer. Now, how do you approach this ahead of time or how, how do you create awareness, I guess, of this process for your clients so that they know going into it that this is going to be part of that process. I guess that's the first part of my question. The other part is, are you charging a la carte for these individual pieces that you're hanging in their home or does that come as part of the package? So as far as like, I'll kind of touch on the pricing. So um, my pricing is a la carte. So my clients just simply purchase what they want, you know, whether that be one frame or an entire gallery, or they start building an album, they simply purchase what they want. Okay. Um, I don't have set packages. Um, I have done packages in the past and I've always felt like they very much kind of box people in yeah. um, and they really limit your ability to create something custom. And I truly believe that part of the client experience should be personalized and customized to your client. And by doing packages, that customization is almost like it, it, it's hard. It's hard for packages to be customizable. Mm. And so I do have an a la carte pricing structure. And then as far as like actually getting my clients to purchase artwork, this is like a huge, a huge question that um, I get a lot, but it's just really about solving my clients pain points. A mm. lot of my clients that come to me, you know, are not on their first baby. They've had two or three children. They know they're not going to have the time. Like they just know they, they, they're five years into this parenting gig and they haven't gotten one single photo on the wall and their wedding images are still sitting on a USB drive. Like they know that this is just something that's probably never going to happen because their life is just becoming exponentially more busy. And so really just speaking to those client pain points, um, I obviously really, try to normalize artwork purchases in everything that I do. When you go onto my website, there's pictures of galleries that I've designed and installed. It's in my um, investment guide. It's in my inquiry process. Um, I talk about artwork. When people hop onto my contact form, they I ask them questions about artwork. I talk to them about it in their consultation. Um, and so I have a beautiful uh, catalog that they get upon booking with me that really is kind of like an inspiration builder to really help me, in essence, um, prepare them for like what they are going to choose and yeah. how they are going to enjoy their images for years to come. 
So, um, yeah, so that's kind of how the process, that's sort of how that all, how that all comes together. Well, I noticed actually, so I went to on your website currently, I clicked on our services and then went to the signature session and it's, you actually break down the pricing there. It's $300 for the session fee that includes the hair and makeup. And of course the session and the editing and, and the Mm in-studio design, et cetera. Um, but then you also mentioned, so you're already managing, proactively managing expectations. Um, you mentioned that clients additionally invest $1,600 plus on personalized mm-hmm. portrait session, custom artwork, et cetera. And so you've, you've also let potential clients know, Hey, look, this is the, the price or this is the process. And that initial fee is only $300, but plan on spending this much investing mm-hmm. in artwork, investing in albums. And I think that's interesting. I also think it's interesting particularly because it looks like really where you're making money as a photographer and business owner is actually on the back end in those sales rather than that session fee. Because the session fee, I mean, if you have to pay for hair and makeup and you're continuing to build your wardrobe, your margin's not huge there, is it? No, mm -mm, it's not. I don't really actually make money on my session fee. After you factor in my cost, my hair and makeup team, the time that I invested in meeting with the clients, the cost of the wardrobe that they probably, you know, that they choose to wear. I really don't make money on, on it, on the front end, but most of my clients come in, you know, with the intention that they, you know, that they are going to purchase you know, a large gallery, there isn't a minimum purchase with me. Okay. You don't have to, you know, purchase a set amount. Um, I do offer digital images, which is kind of unique. Uh, I mean, I guess I shouldn't say it's unique, but a lot of product-based photographers really don't um, sell their digital images. And I have found a way to offer digital images that um, really still allows my client to get what they want. And for me to, I'm a mom, I know the importance of having digital images. Yeah. I know that it provides, yeah. I would want it too. And so I really try to, you know, mirror my business to what I would want as a mom. Um, I want those digital images, but at the end of the day, I don't have time. I want somebody to help me design a gallery. I want someone mm. to help me create a first year baby book. That's an overwhelming and daunting task. I want a Pinterest worthy stairwell gallery in my home. I don't even know where to start and I don't have the time. And so coming to me, um, you know, yes, it's a bigger investment, but ultimately, the amount of time that my clients save with me, it's really a no brainer if that's truly what they want um, for their images. Well, this has been a, a quite an enlightening conversation. By the way, I have to, to highlight too what you just said, which is understanding your client's position about the digital files because you would want the digital files yourself. And, and you know, back to this, to my earlier comment about ego, we have to set ego aside because uh, photographers have gotten all high and mighty about not selling digital files. And, and seemingly kind of lacked the empathy to those mm-hmm. clients' feelings and the reality that you as a photographer you would probably want to have those files for whatever the purpose, mm-hmm. understanding that, that that actual need or that pain point might exist. And as long as you're strategic in the way that you're pricing for that and you're making mm-hmm. sure that you are making margin on each of those clients, then then it's it's all good. I don't think we need to put so much ego on that, that that we lose sight of the reality, which is that we could meet our clients' needs by providing, in this case, digital files and still do so profitably. And I think it's a good mm-hmm. reminder. Totally. And like, you know, the thing is, 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 um, I am finding as I kind of move through, you know, into, um, being heavily product driven. Um, I started offering framing about a year and a half ago and I've since sold, um, almost 500 frames. And so I have realized that my clients, I occasionally get clients who don't care about digital files. They literally are like, what am I going to do with these? Hmm. I haven't done anything with my wedding photos. I know it provides a sense of security, but they're like, 
I, 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 and and it's funny because a lot of times the, that question comes from dads, the dads, they're like, well, what are we going to do with them? Like, like put them on a hard drive and they just just sit there. Yeah. And so, and it's funny because like to touch on the whole dad thing, it's like, you know, a lot of, I had one client, her, her husband said to me, he goes, you know, I'm just glad that like, I came to this appointment, I sat through, you know, this process and and we made a decision and I don't have to listen to my wife carry on and on and on about our online gallery and how we're going to pick photos. And should she put this here? Or should she put that there? And instead she had somebody guide her through this process and we can lay this to rest. But more than anything, I'm just happy. I saw the photos because I've had so many photos done with my kids and she gets a digital download and nothing ever happens with them. And I start to wonder, like, what did we spend all this time? What did we spend all this money on? Because for them, it almost feels like it's not even, it's like not even there. It, it feels yeah. empty. They feel empty handed, right? Yeah, they got, yeah. they got put through this whole photo shoot. They had to get dressed. They got to, you know, listen to their wife, carry on and on and on about it. And then they never saw the photos. And so, you know, I've had a lot of dads tell me like, they appreciate that I installed. They appreciate that, that somebody helped their wife through this process. And so so yeah, um, the installation thing, the framing thing, it's just, and it makes me so happy. Like, I mean, what, what photographer doesn't want their photos on a wall? Like that moment of hanging someone's picture, hanging your work, your work on a wall is incredible. It's, it's so fulfilling. So if there's any photographers listening who've never seen their work hung on a wall, I totally encourage you, um, to begin to start offering, you know, products for your, for your clients, because it's, it's a really great feeling. Well, for everybody listening in, will you just remind them where they can find you online? And if they're, they're even interested, you mentioned the coaching, if they're even interested in coaching, kind of learning more about your process, where they can learn more about that as well? Yes. I have a free um, Facebook community. It's, it is a... It is a group of service-driven photographers. If you have a service-driven heart, like this is the group for you. It's a it's a place of kindness. It's the place of growth. Everybody's there to support each other, share ideas, really talk about the hard stuff in our business, not talking about the the pretty things like shooting and editing, um, but really talking about the hard topics. And so my Facebook community is called the Coaching Collective. Um, and then my coaching program is called Leveraging to Luxury. And course, you can also find me on Instagram at Brittany Lee's photography and at Brittany for my website. Perfect. And we'll put all of that in the show notes, spokeapodcast.com. Thanks again, Brittany, for making time for all of us. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much photographers for listening to the Boca podcast. Will you let us know what you thought of the show by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is Nathan at bocapodcast.com. We do try to bring this show to you commercial free, so make sure to check out our sponsors, photographersedit.com and milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. Photographers Edit is custom photo editing for the professional photographer, and Milu is the simplest way to create and manage timelines and shot lists for the events you're photographing.